and, and the death of this man named Jesus, and, and at least people have heard about that. There's another story this morning that I think all of us have heard, and it's a story found in Exodus, and it's a story of Israel going through the, when the seas were parted and Israel went through on dry land. I, I don't know, but I, I have a hunch that most people at least have heard something about that experience. If you had been there that day, I assure you that it would have been a story that your family would have never, ever forgotten. In fact, that story was so important that God commemorated for his people an event every year that they were to celebrate so future generations, you know, five, six, seven, eight generations out so that people would not forget what had happened. And that was called Passover. And so this morning I want to just briefly mention that the Passover is, has a lot to do with baptism today. And I'd like just to help us see that connection. We're just going to take about 10 minutes here. And I'd like you to see the connection between baptism and what we call the Exodus. Now, the story is found in Exodus 14. probably heard the story. It, there were probably about 2 million uh, strong for Israel at this time when, when this story takes place. And they were slaves in Egypt and God wanted to save them and, and bring them to a new place, to a, a new home. God, it said, had compassion upon them as he saw them enslaved to this uh, country called Egypt. And so, you know the story, he brings the plagues and finally Pharaoh lets them go. And there's an interesting little verse. You've probably missed it before, but it's found in chapter 13 and verse 17. And this is what it says. It says, Now when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, Lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. They tell us that it was probably only about three days from Egypt to Canaan. But God decided to take them a different way. And the reason he did was because God had this promised land, but he knew it was going to be difficult along the way. And he knew, he knew that in that difficulty, the people would quit. And they would turn around and they would go back, and they wouldn't continue to trust and follow God to take them to that place. <clears throat> and so he took them through the Red Sea. And I don't know if they, you know, once they went through that water and the seas closed up, I don't know if they turned around and looked back and said, I guess we're not going back. But God knew better. And there's a whole other message in that story. As you and I travel through this wilderness... It's easy to quit and want to go back. So here they are. They find themselves at the sea, and, and they can't cross because the sea's there. And, you know, the Egyptians are coming, and they don't know what to do. And it's an impossible situation. I, I'm reminded of a story of a little boy who went to Sunday school class, and he came home. His mom said, what did you learn? They said, it was about uh, Moses and the Red Sea, and, and the people got across. She said, how'd they get across? He said, well, they, 
they called up the National Guard and they came and they built this huge bridge out of pontoons and they all the people walked across. She said, Johnny, did, is that what they really told you? I said, no, but if I told you what they really told me, you'd never believe it. Well, that's true. This was an impossible situation. They're backed up. And all of a sudden, someone notices this dust on the desert, and the word trickles through the camp. Pharaoh and the armies are coming, and there's no place to go. And you can just imagine. I mean, imagine if that's you, and you're there with your kids. And, and, and you are absolutely horrified. Listen to what the people said. They said, God will see us through. No, that's not what they said. Look at what they said, verses 11 and 12. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. We will let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Great words of faith. So much like us. Notice God's instructions. Chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm. You will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today will never see, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. There's another message in that response to those instructions from God. We know the story. That night, you know, God confuses the armies, brings darkness, so the army is stopped. And during the night, he opens up the sea. They tell us to get two million people across in the night. But that opening was at least a mile wide. The people made it across on, on dry ground. Next day, uh, and the Egyptians are let through, and they're, they're halfway across, and God brings in the waters. Just imagine that scene the next morning. In fact, he describes it for us in verse 30. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Just imagine standing there and, and seeing bodies washing up on the shore. The children are going, Daddy, are those the people that were going to hurt us? Yeah, those are the people. Are they dead? Yeah, they're dead. Are we safe now? safe now. And so God delivered his people that day. Powerful, powerful picture. Now, <clears throat> God has given us, believe it or not, a different but similar experience. And we see that as we turn to the, to the New Testament. If you're a Christian and, and you've been baptized, that, that act of being baptized represents a, a metaphorical, a, an actual, even greater experience in your life that has taken place. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. This is what it says. <clears throat> For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud. 
that they all passed through the sea, and they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And so here, Paul is making a comparison between baptism of passing through the water and when Israel passed through the water. We see in verses 11 and 12 of chapter 10. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. So he's saying, these things have been given as examples for us that teach us a variety of things. One of the things that they teach us, one of the most critical things, is that we have had a similar experience. Let me just read one more passage. And this is from Romans chapter 6. This is what we read. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? So what's happened here is Paul has been teaching the people, and he said, you know what? I know you think that your sin is so big that God can't forgive it, but because of the greatness of your sin, God is able to demonstrate the greatness of his grace. By the way, that's the whole purpose for your life. It's not so that one day you can stand before God and say, God, look at what I accomplished. It's so that you can stand before God and say, your grace was so great in my life. And so some of the people were saying, well, if that's the case, then maybe we can just go on sinning because if we just keep on sinning, then God has an opportunity to demonstrate even more grace. So that's the question here in verse 1. Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? This is a Paul's response. By no means, my Bible has an explanation point there. Like Paul's saying, are you kidding? How can we who died to sin still live in it? He's saying, God delivered you out of Egypt. Why would, why would you want to go back there? Why would you want to be enslaved to sin when that's what God came and freed you from? Verses 3 and 4. Do you not know all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. God brought Israel out of the old life of enslavement through the water, and they were saved through that, and they walked through the water through God's grace in their lives. They were brought to a new life. What he's saying here is that is what baptism represents in our lives. Romans 6, 6. It says, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So what has God destroyed? It's not Egypt. It's your old nature your old self that God is offering to free you from so that you can live a new life, a new life in God's Spirit. And so we have this analogy that just as Israel was enslaved to Egypt and God brought them through the sea and he brought them to a place where they were delivered from that which held them in bondage, so this is saying, God, through your faith in Christ, through faith in Jesus Christ, God has freed you from the old self and you now have the power to live a new life. 
And you will never live that new life if you don't have the faith to believe that and act on it. And so this morning, we are going to be uh, sharing in observing the baptism of three people. The New Testament and Romans 6 makes a clear metaphor that just as Israel was brought through the sea, so these people have been brought to God. They have been set free and to live a new life. And so this morning, I just want to encourage uh, those of you who are being baptized, that as you go down into that water, it's like God has defeated all those powers that would seek to suppress you and, and cause you to live in sin, and God has now freed you to a new life. And just as the people of Israel stood on that shore that next morning and realized that God had delivered them from their greatest enemy, so today when you come up out of that water, when you come up out of that water, it's as if you're standing on that shore and God is saying, I have delivered you from all of the powers of darkness and hell. And so what you see today in this baptism is a representation of, by far, <coughs> the most amazing thing <coughs> that could happen in a person's life. The folks that you see this morning <coughs> are not saved by their baptism. They've been saved through their faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, if you're here and you've never placed your faith in Christ, there's an opportunity. God says that that opportunity still extends to today. But he also warns us not to harden our hearts because tomorrow, if we harden our hearts, God may not be speaking. So if God's speaking to you today through this event, I would encourage you to place your faith in the person of Christ and to be delivered from the old self and to be offered this new life that is yours through Christ. This morning, I'm going to, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to invite up those who are being baptized. Dave and Jen and Xia. I'm also going to ask David Vang to come and he'll help interpret for Xia. I'm going to have you just come up here with me. <coughs> I'm, I've told those who are here that I just want them to briefly, uh, just to briefly share how they came to know Christ, and, and then just a word as to kind of how they came to being wanting to be baptized here today, and uh, I'm going to start with Jen, since she's the bravest, and uh, also Jen, I want you to, I also want you to uh, tell us where you're headed.
what uh, what what made you think about getting baptized? <coughs> when did you start thinking? give this to David Bang and, and uh, he can share as Exia talks he'll interpret for her okay We're going to pray for these people right now, and I just invite you to lift them up with me uh, before God. Let's pray together. Father, what a joy to stand here with these three individuals and to realize that you have given them life. Father, not just a lifestyle, but you've given them life. You've given them eternal life that you have delivered them from our greatest foe who we were powerless over and much like Israel that day when their back was against the wall and they had no hope father you intervened by your grace so you've intervened in the lives of these people father we pray for Jen as she goes on from here we pray that you would make her strong in your spirit we thank you for her genuine faith her sincere love for you and Lord we pray that you would just cause her as your word says to shine like a star in the dark night. And so we pray for her today. Father, we thank you for Dave. I thank you for the joy he has been to me as I have just seen the, the joy in his heart <clears throat> of finding you in a new and a deep way in his life. I thank you for uh, just seeing the fact that you truly are the most important thing in his life. 
And uh, Lord, we just pray that you continue to bless he and his family and just continue to use him, Father, as a light. And Father, we thank you for Zia. We thank you for uh, opening her heart and opening her eyes and enabling her to see you. And we thank you for the newfound joy that she has. We pray that you would bless her as she grows in you. And Lord, we we just commit these people to you today. We look forward now to uh, sharing with them as they are baptized today. And Lord, we know as they are baptized that they are proclaiming not only to us, but to all the hopes of who they are, that they are your adopted children. And so we just bless them today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.